Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, eCampus News' podcast on the latest and greatest happenings in higher ed, ed tech this month. I'm Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. In this episode, we investigate a number of different technologies and practices that accelerated as a result of the pandemic, from hybrid learning to e-gaming to remote testing and assessment. And then we analyze how these recent innovations are going to stick around even as we go back to normal, whatever that is. First off, the data is starting to roll in on the actual effects that COVID-19 has had on higher ed. A recent survey by the global learning technology company D2L, the report's called The Future of Education Reimagined. It's a webinar survey that polled 346 higher education leaders across North America. That includes professors, deans, student success advisors, IT executives, all to discuss challenges and opportunities with respect to the future of higher education during the pandemic. You can find the story on the newsfeed with the title, Is Total In-Person Learning a Thing of the Past? Some highlights or, or lowlights, depending on how you want to look at them, are in the piece. Here are a few. One question was, when considering at-risk students, what is the point of greatest concern for you or for your institution? 43% talked about socioeconomic or sociocultural barriers. 30% talked about signs of mental health distress. 13% financial troubles. 10% declining grades. And then 2%, which is kind of a, a small but uh, still significant, uh, cameras turned off during virtual calls. So just kind of human behavior. Uh, another question. What do you feel is the best way institutions can adapt to changing student needs to support enrollment and retention? Now, there are a number of answers to this. I'll just give you the top two. Number one, introduce greater flexibility for learners for both in-person and online course options. That was at 35%. And then providing early warning interventions and analytics to help students keep on track. That was at 31%. You can go online and check out the rest of the answers there. And then finally, when looking ahead to the future of education, say five to 10 years following the COVID-19 madness here, what do you envision? Response there was a return to in-person class only? Not going to happen. Less than 1% of respondents said that they believe that we're going to go back to the way it was, which was probably a good thing, right? Also, 40% say there's going to be a mixture of in-person and online, so that hybrid definition. 5.44% say mostly online options. So again, that's another small amount. So it certainly seems that classrooms are here to stay. But a combination of all the above, 53%. So if you want more in-depth analysis and visuals that are related to the survey, go up to ecampusnews.com. Check it out. It's on the news feed and look for the D2L webinar survey report. Next, while esports was already a thing before the onset of COVID, the pandemic certainly accelerated its popularity. Because for many students, what else was there to do, really? But just because campuses are pretty much finally back to what they looked like before, it seems obvious that the esports phenomenon will only continue to grow. Donna Walters, uh, her esports tagline is basic tech. She's the founder of Cal State's Esports Collective. She wrote a piece this month called How Esports Led to Major Growth in Student Leadership at Cal State. 
In the piece, she offers advice on how to get started and grow in the esports space. She writes, college esports launches are a lot like startup businesses. They require an agile approach and innovative problem solving. Esports matches are broadcast using the talent and technology found in the entertainment industry. Like traditional sports, esports teams compete through established rankings and coach-led player development. Community members with social media savvy drive event attendance and overall participation, provided that the members feel a sense of connection to the brand. Simply put, programs need specialists from multiple fields to work together for successful results. She goes on to describe the steps that Cal State has taken to make esports happen and an established part of the college experience. She goes on writing, in April 2022, the CSU Chancellor's Office and the Cal State Esports Collective launched a website, calstate.edu forward slash esports. This was the first step at a collaborative effort to officially support esports system-wide. Since then, a student assistant position within CSU's Chancellor's Office has been created and further support for CSU gaming communities are being discussed. As part of the hands-on learning process, students are invited to attend meetings with industry partners, speak during esports and higher ed engagements, organize industry events attended by university presidents and industry leaders, and are highlighted in widely distributed publications. The results? Well, as the well-worn cliche goes, the numbers don't lie. By taking a student's first approach, integrating those four cornerstones of college esports into the development of this organization and focusing on creating a welcoming, inclusive, and positive space, the collective has achieved impressive results in 2022. 416% growth in membership, 580% increase in student leadership participation, and 15 new alumni. So yeah, uh, to see that sort of growth and that sort of Intention and engagement by the student population. Well done, Donna. Another huge disruption for most every institution was how to proctor exams and assess student work in a remote setup. Maintaining humanity in the middle of remote testing experiences can be difficult, but there are techniques and technologies that can ensure student success while at the same time securing exams. I had the pleasure to join Peter Burrell. He's associate professor at the University of Cincinnati and Jordan Adair. He's the VP of product at HonorLock to hear what Peter's successful journey was from being in-person to online learning and assessment. In this snippet, Peter and Jordan talk about these new realities and the student receptiveness to all of this. Have a listen. You know, as we keep going forward here, are, are we finding that students I mean, this is just an expectation of what's going to happen when they sit down to take a test. I mean, this is just kind of, I guess my question is, these are digital natives now, right? I mean, none of yeah. this, well, to an old, old fuddy-duddy like me seems like science fiction. To today's undergrad students, I mean, this is just par for the course. I think it may be becoming par for the course, but I don't know if it's all the way there yet. Like, so as an example, we, we did our anxiety study right in the midst of the height of the pandemic, right? So there were a lot of students that didn't expect to have to move to a totally online testing environment. So in those scenarios, it wasn't necessarily something that they were prepared for. 
So what we kind of took away from it was there was a huge difference from speaking to these students in some of our focus groups between a student that signed up for an online course knowingly and had experience versus a student that now got thrust into this experience. So for for a student who's been taking online courses for a few semesters, this is par for the course. They're very accustomed to it. For someone who's maybe new to online uh, testing, it's their first time taking an online class or they got kind of pushed into it because of the pandemic. They were very much caught off guard and had no clue what to expect. That's a that's an excellent point, Jordan. And and I don't think we're I don't think we're going to have to deal with that again because hopefully pandemic is over and it's not going to have the impact on it. But I think it's it is important to to for, for all of us to be cognizant of sort of that you know this is how it's going to be, and that's why I think it it actually you know. It's, Frankly, it's good for, for as you call this, us old fuddy-duddies, Kevin. You know, I, I'm older than, than both of you guys probably put together, but, you know, <laughs> this is just how life works. And the sooner our students, you know, the world that, we, that they are in right now is going to be so completely different in half a decade. So that's part of, that's part of learning and, and getting comfortable with, doing a test online, right? I had to get comfortable with it. If you, again, going back to my second or third slide, if you had told me I was going to be teaching online four years ago, I would have said, no, I'm not. And there I am. And so uh, again, I think it, it, how we've dealt with this as a, uh, just on the education level and the academic level is, I think we've done a really good job. And I, I also tell my students, you know, Learning flexibility is an important thing. And that's part of what we're, you know, you're in the real world now. So dealing with the, you know, I'm going to have to take some online and it's going to be proctored. I've got to learn. I got to figure that out too. So I think being human with your students about the fact that you're having to deal with learning a new technology is helpful for them to see that as well. The entire conversation was really insightful and a lot of really interesting new techniques were discussed, and it really did feel as if online testing and proctoring is not going to go away, and in fact, can be used in a way that makes it even better than some of the in-person experiences that folks have had before. And you can check that out. It's under the webinars tab at ecampusnews.com. And that about wraps it up for this episode. Be sure to check back on ecampusnews.com for all the latest and greatest news and analysis for what's happening in the higher ed at Tech Space. Remember, eCampus is always free and always trying to help innovative educators just like you. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan.